Uninformed immigrants are at a huge disadvantage in court, in financial and legal matters, and also sometimes in life. Well, what can we do about it? I'll tell you what. We can train, teach, inspire, and empower immigrants to maximize their lives regardless of their immigration status. And that's exactly what we're going to do here. I am your immigration lawyer and host, Otis Landerholm, and this is the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. On this episode, we're going to see an episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live, which is a webcast that I do every Thursday on Facebook and on YouTube for the immigrant community. If you have any immigrant questions or immigration questions, feel free to join us on Thursday for the next one. And for now, enjoy the episode. Are we ready? Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello and welcome. Welcome to another episode of Deportation Defense Live. Thank you so much for being here. Hello to everyone on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on TikTok. Thank you all so much for being with me today. My name is Otis Landerholm. I'm the founding attorney here at Landerholm Immigration, APC, where we fight for your American dream. I'm so happy to be here today. I love being here, all right? And, uh, and thank you all so much for joining me. So here, uh, and today, it's the 29th of March of 2022. Today, I'm going to be talking about the topic of how to bring someone back after a deportation. Some people think it's not even possible. All right, I promise it is possible in certain situations. And we'll talk about what situations those are today. And so if you know somebody who's ever been deported, all right, and you're like, hey, how can we bring them back lawfully? Hey, that's, you know, welcome. Welcome. That's what we're going to be talking about today. All right. So before, you know, yes, welcome. Yes, thank you so much for being here. Now, um, the Deportation Defense Live is here to train, teach, inspire, and empower immigrants who are facing deportation to make the most out of immigration law, to make the most out of their lives, and to win their cases, all right? Are you facing removal in immigration court? Do you know somebody who's facing removal in immigration court? If so, you know it's not easy. It's an uphill battle. The laws are against us, and here, you know, we are seeking to maximize your chances of winning that case. Why? Because you matter, Immigrants matter, all right? I believe that immigrants make our society better, okay? And so thank you for being an immigrant, and I want to help all immigrants maximize their chances of winning their case. That's why, that's why we do this, all right? That's why I started this law firm. And so today our theme is how to bring somebody back after they've been deported Thank you in advance. Thank you to everyone who submitted their questions. All right. So Fabiola, Evaristo, Arti, and Fabi, thank you all for, a- for asking your questions, submitting them ahead of time. All right. I really appreciate that. That helps me kind of prepare what I'm going to talk about. We've got 30 minutes to discuss this topic in English. Then we'll do this in Spanish. So first, let's jump right into it, all right? How do you bring somebody back if they've been deported? As always, we've got to first talk about the basics, all right? 
we got to talk about the basics. So if you've already been deported, what can you do? Is it even possible to ever come back to the U.S. if you were, de if you were deported in the past? Sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. It depends on why you were deported first, and it also depends on when you were deported. So basics number one, first thing to know is, after you were deported, do not re-enter the U.S. unlawfully. Don't even try to re-enter the U.S. unlawfully without permission, because if you even try to re-enter unlawfully, you'll trigger a permanent bar against you that's unwaivable for 10 years, okay? So don't, don't do that. That's the first thing, all right? Get a consultation with a lawyer first. Figure out what your options are first. Don't try to re-enter unlawfully or you will screw yourself over, okay? Basics number two that you got to be aware of, all right? Expedited removal, which is at the border, right? If Border Patrol deported you, expedited removal creates a deportation, but it's a five-year deportation, all right? Uh, normal deportation after immigration court, right? If you were deported from an immigration judge, that creates a 10-year deportation. Those bars, those two bars can be waived, all right? They can be waived on an I-212 waiver. We will discuss that waiver today, all right? But that's basics number two. You got to know this. Sometimes you might have a five-year bar for the deportation. Sometimes you might have a 10-year bar for the deportation. Basics number three, you ready for it? Sometimes you need to waive other things too, all right? Your que the question is, what caused the deportability to begin with? Why did they even, why did they detain you? Why did they arrest you? What, you know, was there unlawful presence in the United States? Was there some kind of immigration fraud that they were like, hey, we're going to deport you, all right? Was there alien smuggling? Were you trying to bring somebody else in that unlawfully? Were, were there crimes or a criminal conviction or an arrest, all right? Each of these other things might require their own waivers, and sometimes those waivers are more difficult than the waiver of a deportation order, all right? So you got to be aware, all right? Basic number one, don't re-enter unlawfully after a deportation. It'll cause a permanent bar. Basics number two, there's five-year bars for deportations and 10-year bars for deportations, depending on how you were deported. There's also a 20-year bar uh, if you've been deported multiple times, okay? And then basics number three is sometimes you got to waive other things too. Unlawful presence, fraud, alien smuggling, crimes, and more, okay? Which means we've got to really look We've got to really look at your situation to see, okay, what all needs to be waived, all right? How can we navigate the deportation and the real legal issues in your situation? And then what can we do to bring you or to bring your loved one back into the U.S. even after the deportation happened, all right? So if you're just joining me, hey, thank you so much for joining me. If you're just joining me right now, my name's Otis Landerholm. I'm the founding attorney here at Landerholm Immigration APC, where we fight for your American dream. Hello to everybody on Facebook. 
Hello to everybody on Instagram. Thank you all, um, my friends on Instagram. Uh, hello to everyone on TikTok and on YouTube. You know, thank you all so much for being with me. It is Tuesday, the 29th of March. Really happy to be with you, uh, to be here with you today. All right, so we're talking about how to bring somebody back legally after they've already been deported. Sometimes it's possible, sometimes it's not. So uh, uh, we've talked about the basics. Now I want to tell you about how do we win that waiver, a waiver of a deportation order. All right, it's not easy to do. The first step is you've got to have a family member who petitions you. That could be a U.S. citizen spouse. It could be a green card holding spouse. It could be a it could be a child who's a U.S. citizen who turns 21. It could be a parent. All right, if your if your son or daughter was deported and now you want to bring them back, a parent can petition you. Those cases take longer. They're on the preference visa bulletin system. You got to wait a lot in a long line, but it is possible. Okay, so first step. Let's we're talking about the steps is to have a family member petition you to come back. Second step, once that petition is current, once you can use it, once it's approved and ready to go, now you need to file the waiver of the deportation order. Okay, those waivers, they're on, they're on the form I-212. You could Google it, all right? USCIS.gov, put an I-212 waiver. The form will come up, all right? It's a pretty simple form with complex evidence that you need to submit with it. The form's the easy part, the evidence is the hard part, okay? It's a discretionary waiver, which means you gotta show everything, all right? Well, specifically, how does our office show this? What do the regulations say? You can submit with this and you should submit with this. You, you wanna show as many family ties to the United States as possible, all right? You wanna show hardship to every single person in your family if this waiver is denied. You even want to show hardship to neighbors, if possible, to your church, if possible, to your employers, if possible. You want to show hardship to everyone, okay? So everybody would suffer some kind of harm, you know, medical hardship, uh, emotional hardship, uh, uh, financial hardship, whatever it is, all right? You want to be able to demonstrate it, document it. All right, this is something that our office helps people do. Third thing you want to show is evidence of rehabilitation. If there's any negative record in the past, especially if there's criminal record, you want to be able to demonstrate, hey, you know, whatever happened in the past is in the past. It's never going to happen again. I am rehabilitate, re rehabilitated. I am a new person. I have learned my lesson. All right. And I am, you know, it's never going to happen again. I'm going to respect all laws going forward, all right? The fourth thing you need to show is similar. You've got to show evidence of, quote-unquote, good moral character. Hey, even despite this issue, this deportation, whatever caused the deportation, even despite that, look at the good things that I've done. You know, I've been paying taxes in the U.S., if that's true. I've started my own business. I, I employ people if that's true and relevant. I'm a family man. I contribute to my kids' schools. If the, you know, I'm on the PTA, whatever it is. I, I belong to my church and I'm active in my church. Here's the evidence of it. Whatever we can show to show that you're a person of good moral character, that will help in your 
in this discretionary waiver. All right. Along with it, number number I think we're on number five now. Number one, family ties. Two, hardship to everyone. Three, evidence of rehabilitation. Four, evidence of good moral character. And we're now we're on number five. Number five is you want to explain carefully and completely everything that caused the deportation to begin with, everything that caused the deportability to begin with, including if including bad stuff. You know, maybe that maybe you lied to immigration to get your visa originally, and that caused you to become deportable. Okay, so let's explain it. Why did you do that? All right. Oh, gee, I lied because it was my only way to get a visa to enter, and I was fleeing for my life because I had been I had received three death threats, right? And I'm sorry for doing it anyway. And you know, I, I really didn't mean to violate the law in any way. Please forgive me for it. Okay? Or whatever, whatever the situation was, explain it. We got to be able to explain it. Okay? And sixth, lastly, you got to explain every other negative factor that's in your case. And immigration considers lots of things as negative factors. All right? Yes, it could be violations of immigration laws from the past, but it could also be any instance of quote-unquote bad moral character, right? So um, fraudulent conduct, unauthorized employment, uh, failure to pay taxes, all of the kind of opposite of what we were just looking at, right? You want to be able to explain it, explain it. Don't hide stuff like that. The government officer reviewing it will be like, hey, but I've also reviewed this in your history and they're the Department of Homeland Security. They can access all kinds of things. You want to you wanna be forthcoming. You don't want to hide anything when you try to waive a deportation. All right? They also look at your likelihood of becoming a public charge. Right? Um, you want to show that you're responsible for yourself and you're not going to rely on the government for, um, to sustain you financially. All right? And so all of that stuff, you put it in a giant packet in a giant evidentiary packet. Let me show you. All right? I don't know if you can see this. This is a waiver for a deportation that I'm reviewing right now. Look at how big that is. All right? It's, it's about 450 pages. All right? And it's like, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. That's what a professional waiver will look like. And of course, this is just a draft. I'm reviewing everything and making notes. You can see my sticky notes throughout it, right? I don't know if you can see that. But every one of these sticky notes are my feedback to my team to try and make the waiver stronger so that we can maximize the chances of this particular client to bring his family member back to the United States, all right? And so, anyway, I digress. If a file the waiver, file the waiver with any other waiver you need, fraud waiver, criminal waiver, I two two twelve H waiver, whatever whatever the waiver is. And then once that thing is approved, you can proceed before the U.S. consulate. And then you know if the waivers are approved, then your consular interview is typically simpler. All right. If you are working with a team that knows what they're doing, you go to the consulate and you say, hey, look, here's my waivers. They're approved. All right. And here I am ready for my green card. 
And yeah, they'll ask you the other questions that they have to, but if the waiver was well done, that should be the only issues that you had against you and they should all be taken care of. And so now when you're going to your consular interview, you know, you should be good to go. You should have that green light to get the stamp in your passport and then re-enter the U.S. and then become a lawful permanent resident again or sometimes a lawful permanent resident for the first time. Okay, so there you go. That's it. That's it. Most important thing after a deportation, do not, do not try to re-enter the U.S. without permission. It'll cause a permanent bar. It's an unwaivable permanent bar. It'll screw your chances of doing all of this. All right. And sometimes all of this, we put all of this work into it and we send it off to the government. It takes a year and a half, 18 months for them to get us an answer. And sometimes the government will just say, no, no, you were deported. You've, you know, you're bad. They'll say they, they've weighed the positive and the negative factors. They've decided that the negative factors in your situation outweigh the positive factors. They're not going to waive it. And so what do you do then? Well, you have options. Talk it over with your attorney. Sometimes you wait a little bit. You get even more positive, you know, go start contributing to your church. Go start contributing to your community. Let's meet with everybody and show even more hardship. And let's make the plan and strategize. Let's file again in one year. All right? Like, there are ways to refile these cases. Um, you're not, just because you lost today doesn't mean you can't win it tomorrow. And so try, try, and try again if you're eligible for the waiver. All right? So anyway, that's all I got regarding the I-212 waiver. If, you need, if you're in that situation, you've got a family member who was deported already, I'm sorry, first of all, that you're in that situation. You know, our, our country... Um, has deported more than 20,000 people already so far this year, and it's like in the middle of a pandemic, right? And so much other things going on, and still there's thousands, thousands of people who are deported. And, you know, pre-pandemic, we're talking 400,000 people a year, all right? That's a lot of people. And so, you know, in my opinion, nobody should be deported. That's why we're here doing this. But if you know somebody that was deported, hey, let's figure out a way to strategize it so we can bring them back. All right? That's all I got, everybody. So let's, let me get into your questions. Um, first of all, thank you again to everybody who asked their questions um, uh, uh, ahead of time. And if you haven't asked it yet, hey, please send it in, right? Send it in. I've got, I've got like 10 more minutes because I started a little bit behind schedule here today, and then we'll do this in Spanish, okay? So my first question today comes from Fabiola. Fabiola, you ask, my father was deported for a drug charge around 2008. Am I able to help him come back to the States? He had never attempted to return. He has served in his time in Mexico. Am I able, or I am able to obtain his arrest records? Okay, first step, Fabiola, this is like a perfect question for this uh, presentation, right? It's all about can we bring people back? So uh, Fabiola, first step is let's look carefully at those arrest records, 
okay? Controlled substance offenses, drug charges, they are not waivable, okay? And so, in, well, there's a few minor exceptions. There's a few minor exceptions. And so we've got to look at it really, really carefully. The two types of offenses, all right, that are not waivable, one are drug convictions, and two are what we call aggravated felonies. Those two issues cause permanent inadmissibility with no waivers available. And so we got to look at the conviction carefully um, and the, the record, the arrest record, everything carefully to see, hey, what really happened there to then assess whether, it's, whether or not it's worth going through this whole process. There is still hope. There is still possibility. And so, uh, but sometimes it requires fixing the, cr the criminal record first and then doing a motion to reopen that case to bring somebody back in. Yes, sometimes it is still possible, but, um, but it requires some fancy maneuvering, all right? Which, hey, fancy maneuvering, that's what, that's what lawyers are here for, right? It's like, you know, that's, that's what we went to law school for. So, um, all right, the next question. So, uh, so, Fabiola, just to finish that up, I'd love to look at your situation in more depth, all right? And so give us a call. Give us a call. You know, we'd love to do that. Start our consultation process. We'd love to uh, review that with you, okay? The next question that I have is from RT. RT, RT, thank you so much for asking your question. Your question is that, um, let's see, you want to help uh, let's see, your father's a green card holder. He applied for your I-130, all right? You're in India. Your I-130 was received in March of 2020. Your mom's a U.S. citizen. Your brother's a U.S. citizen. Your brother's kids are U.S. citizens. And now your brother is suffering from liver cancer, and he needs a transplant, and his condition is critical, and you want to come take care of him and you want to come uh, help him out. Do I got that right? So RT, thank you for asking that question. Um, the petition is going to take way too long. All right, the petition is going to take way too long. What I recommend you do is you either apply for humanitarian parole and demonstrate all of this stuff, or you apply for a tourist visa or both. Okay, apply for humanitarian parole or for a tourist visa or both. And as long as you, RT, are not inadmissible, as long as you don't have any like immigration violations from the past, you should be able to demonstrate your eligibility for either of those, humanitarian parole or a tourist visa, to come in for a short visit and to help your brother out. Okay, if we can help you with that, please, please give us a call. We'd love to help you with that. Um, and, you know, uh, and I wish you the best. I wish you the best. I'm sorry to hear that your family's going through this. All right. I see a couple of other uh, questions. Fred in America. Hello. All right. You're here with us on Instagram, Fred. I really appreciate your being here with us. All right. Fred, your question is, if you have an entry denial at the airport with a tourist visa and you're sent back to your country of origin, does that count as a deportation in your record? All right. If not, how does one check if I have a deportation in my record? Okay, Fred, thank you for asking that. 
If somebody, if Border Patrol canceled your visa, we've got to get to the bottom of that. All right. Sometimes Border Patrol just cancels a visa and sends person back. Sometimes they do what's called an expedited removal of a person. And so, Fred, you're asking the right question. And thank you so much for asking it. You're asking the right question. What we need to do is we need to request your FOIA's Freedom of Information Act. All right. Is the FOIA process. And we request FOIA's. We request the records from Border Patrol and from all of the immigration services so that we know and we can see, we can review the records and see exactly how was that issue processed, all right? And if it was processed as a deportation then, and an and expedited removal, then we can get those records, we can see it, and then we can see, okay, this is what we need to do. We need to file the I-212 waiver to be able to get you back. Otherwise, you got to wait the five years because expedited removal causes five years of inadmissibility. Okay, I hope that was helpful. Hope that was helpful. All right, I got a couple of other questions. I got one from CE, it looks like. CE, you say, if you have a deportation order, can you still stay in the U.S. to fight it, or do you really have to go back to your home country? If an asylum applicant is denied, can they still be deported since the home country cannot take them anymore? Okay, CE, thank you for asking that question. Hello, and thank you for joining us today. Here's the deal, all right? If you have a deportation order against you and that order was never executed, you know, there are thousands of people in that situation. There's people that have deportation orders against them that are still here, all right? And immigration isn't looking for them, and immigration knows it. But it's like they don't have the resources. They prioritize these things. Who are they going to actually deport and who aren't they? All right? And so it's kind of silly. It's kind of crazy, right, to think about it. An immigration judge has already signed a deportation waiver, but people are still here. All right? And so CE, the way to do it, the way to do it is not to leave. If you left, then you'd need an I-212 waiver. The way to fix your situation is by looking at, looking into, and figuring out, can you reopen your case? Is there any reason, is there any way, is there any possibility of reopening your case so you don't have to leave, but you can fix your case here in the U.S.? That's a way better uh, solution for people who are still here. All right? Got it? So if you're still in the U.S., even if you have a deportation order against you, but that order was never executed, you never actually left, all right? If you're in that situation, talk to a lawyer first. See if there's a way to reopen the case in court. Fix your case while you're here so you don't have to leave and file all these complex waivers. Much better to file and win a motion to reopen your case, and then you fight your case from here. You don't have to go all the way back to your country and risk never being allowed to re-enter the U.S. Got it? And sometimes that's possible and sometimes it's not. Motions to reopen are not easy. All right? And I've got whole other trainings and videos that explain how to reopen a deportation case. Um, and we can do episodes on that topic in the future as well, right? We can talk about motions to reopen all day. That's a different animal. But um, that's, it's so much better, right? It's so much better than having to leave the U.S. primarily because you can do it here. 
okay? So anyway, CE, I hope that answered that question. Don't leave the U.S. without talking to an immigration lawyer first. And what you're asking is, hey, is there any way to reopen my case? Okay, so very good, very good. All right, everybody, I think that's it for today. That is all the time we have for today. So, Jarheto, hello, nice to see you, X. J-S-S-O-N-X, hello. Thank you for joining us on Instagram. Fred in America, hello. Thanks for being with us on Instagram. Everybody on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, hello. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here, everybody. I really appreciate it. All right. And so that's all the time we have for today. If I haven't answered your question yet, and if you still have one, please send it to me. Put it in the comments. Put it in the chat. I'd love to answer that those questions. Yeah. If this was useful, please subscribe to our channel here in YouTube. Click the notifications bell. Uh, we'll get you additional legal updates and news. All right. Uh, CE, you're welcome. And thank you for being here. And thank you for asking your question. Everybody who asked their questions today, really, thank you so much. Fabiola, RT, Fabi, uh, Fred in America, thank you all so much. Uh, for asking your questions. T. Ty, I see you on there too. Thank you. Um, and uh, I appreciate everybody joining me. If you want more news, if you want more updates, if you want more immigration stuff, click the notifications bell on our YouTube channel and you'll be updated every time we put in a new video. All right. And if you have an immigration case, especially if you have someone who has been deported, who you love, who you're trying to bring back to the U.S., hey, give us a call. We are here to help. We would love to help you. Got it? That's it, everybody. Thank you all so much for being here with me today. I'm Otis Landerholm, Landerholm Immigration APC, where we fight for your American dream, and I will see you on the next episode of Deportation Defense Live. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. If you like what you heard and if you want to learn more, please go to landerhomeimmigration.com forward slash podcast.